Welcome to a self-published author's diary. I am Elodie Novodatsky. I write about first time, second chances, things that scare the crap out of me and things that make me laugh out loud. I'll be speaking with you and sharing my adventures in self-publishing, the behind the scenes of writing and the business side of it. Hello, I am recording this episode on Monday, February 7th in the morning. I know, I know, I usually want to record those episodes over the weekend, but the weekend kind of got away from me in in a good way mostly, so I'm not I'm not complaining. And I did prepare what I was going to say yesterday because I am trying to gather my thoughts a little bit more before I start recording and so I know what I'm about to talk about, which makes it a little easier to record. I did spend way too long deciding on how to call this episode. I think changing up writing spots and writing tools for inspiration captures what I'm trying to say or what I'm going to get into today. I almost titled it Write Like Nora Roberts and Beverly Jenkins. But while that may have gotten me more listens, That's not exactly what this episode is going to be about. So I just wanted to make sure that I was titling this episode in a way that if you just, you know, stumble across my podcast or this particular episode, you know what it's going to be about. So that has also, you know, this entire how am I going to be titling this episode made me think about finding titles for books and blurring and how to describe your books in different lengths. I mean, if you're a writer listening to this, whether you're self-published or not, you do try to come up with different ways to describe your book. Because if you're not self-published, then you have to first send a query to find an agent. To send a query, you have to follow a certain formula and you have to find ways to describe your books in a few sentences and then a few paragraphs. And then maybe you have to write a synopsis and maybe you have to write a two pages, you know, very short synopsis or you have to write a longer synopsis. Or then if you have an agent and even if you're already published, you sometimes have to sell your books with just a few sentences to describe to your agent what it's about. And then also afterwards to be able to, you know, talk about your book. So even if you're a traditionally published author, learning how to describe your books in variable length is an important skill to acquire, I find. And as a self-published author, well, it's the same thing. Like you have to find the blurb that you're going to put online. You're going to have to find the elevator pitch that will help you describe your books to potential readers being in person or online or, you know, on social media or on trailers. And sometimes you just need one sentence. Sometimes you just need three words. Sometimes you need to talk from your character's point of view, sometimes you want to capture a particular moment. I mean, you just need to be able to describe your books in different ways. And it's not easy, just like titling this episode was not easy. And on top of it, that reflects what the book is about. So if your book, if your book blurb is super steamy, you make it seem that smuttiest, sexiest, steamiest book ever, And you 
don't have that in your actual book, then the audience you're going to capture, well, is not the right audience for your book because the expectations that you've set are not the ones you're delivering. And so, yeah, pretty much like what I was trying to do with this episode's title. And maybe my brain has been trying to come up with some ways to describe my books for social media. That's why it blanked on the title, but really it's just something that I sometimes struggle with. Some days it's easier than others to find those snappy sentences that are going to hook the readers and the readers that want to read your books. And some days it's harder. I don't know if that's the case for you. I don't know if that's super easy. There are resources to come up with the hook and all of that. And I will add a few links in this episode's description since I've been talking about it, even if I haven't talked about it a lot. And sometimes when you're writing, you know, those hook and those elevator pitches and the back cover and the snappy sentences for social media and all of that, you do a little bit of reorganizing. You're trying to decide what's the best way to entice a reader to read your book without doing false advertisement on your book. And when it comes to reorganizing, and that's my segue to the next part of this episode, is that for the past week, week and a half, I have been reorganizing what is technically our office. I said technically because I don't use it a whole lot when I don't record audiobooks or play the piano, and I don't play the piano very often. Um, I use it, and when I don't record audiobooks, I mainly use it when I'm in the revision stage of my book. I don't know, it feels to be sitting at the desk makes it easier for me to get in editing mode. I'm not sure why, but that's usually how it works. I usually draft on the couch in the living room, do some of my revision and editing on the couch as well, but also again in the office. But our office chair isn't the most comfortable. The way the office was set up was not the most efficient, I found. The office chair is pretty beat up and we do need a new one. I'm trying to find one right now. So if you have any recommendations for an office chair that is ergonomic, kind of mesh, not too expensive... And I'm saying in mesh because our cat loves to scratch lever for some reason. So we're trying to find an office chair that is Bobby Voltaire resistant. If you have any hints, any tips, please send me an email at authorelodinovodetsky at gmail.com. And yeah, that would be great. Or leave me a voicemail. I'll also leave the voicemail link onto the episode description. But one reason I decided to reorganize the office is because as I'm trying to get more organized when it comes to my writing time, I also realized I'd like to try something different about the writing spots and writing locations, like have more possibilities to write. And if the office is kind of messy or not very functional, it doesn't make me want to go write in that spot, to go draft. I need, when I draft... I need the area to not be too, too cluttered. And I think it's because my brain is already cluttered with ideas. I don't know. But that's how it works. It works better if the area that I'm in, that I am in, is not too cluttered and is comfortable. But I also know that I can get myself in the bubble, in the zone, 
pretty easily. So I reorganized the office. I moved bookshelves. It was not easy. <laughs> it was heavy. I'm not used to carrying heavy stuff anymore. Not that I really was used to carrying heavy stuff, but I did it all by myself and I was very excited and I am very excited and pretty proud of myself for, you know, reorganizing and rearranging and and managing to lift some shelves on top of another because we have like those IKEA cube also shelves. And so we have now one on top of one another. And then we had a bookshelf that was in the living room. I moved it to the office. I moved the books. I reorganized the books. It seems much more welcoming because there are more books. And let's face it, a room with more books is way more welcoming. We have books everywhere in the house. As I've said before, my husband listens to this podcast and I'm pretty sure he's nodding right now or maybe laughing or maybe shaking his head because we do have a lot of books. We have books in the living room. We have books in the office. We have books upstairs and downstairs, like books everywhere. And I love having books everywhere. But the office had books that were I had some books, but I didn't have enough books together in one spot to make it feel like an office. And then I also cleaned the desk to make it more useful and more practical. So now I might also try to draft in the office in addition to the couch. Because even though the chair is not comfortable, I can do it in that, like I can write in that chair for half an hour. It won't hurt my back too much. Yes, I talk about backache because it's the reality of writing. So, and as I was thinking about writing spaces, I also read about authors switching places to get inspiration. They might drive to a park or change rooms or write in their cars. And that made me think that I used to write in the train. Did you know that? My social media handle used to be commuting girl before I started self-publishing. Once upon a time in a land far, far away, called Germany. I lived in Mainz in Germany and worked in Frankfurt. Well, actually, even before, I used to live in Worms, which is even further away from Frankfurt, and I worked in Frankfurt. So when we lived in Worms, I'd take the bus, which was right across from our apartment, and I would go to the main train station, and that would take me about 15 minutes or so, you know, in the bus, 15 to 20 minutes, then the train ride from Worms to Frankfurt. So I would wait at the train station because it's not, you know, it's not like I got off the bus and poof, the train was there. I would actually wait at the train station and then I would take the train from Worms to Frankfurt. The train I took wasn't direct, so I had to get off in one city and then change trains. And after that, I would either walk to the European Central Bank where I used to work or take the U-Bahn, so the metro. Overall, it would actually take me about one hour and 45 minutes to two hours door to door to get to my office, depending on how long I had to wait for the train at the bus station. While in the train, I started drafting stories. And my first finished draft that I mainly wrote in a train was a young adult paranormal romance. It had a love triangle. It had witches. And... It was set in Massachusetts. Did I pronounce that correctly? I always have issues with that pronunciation. When we moved to Mainz, my commute was way easier because I didn't have to change trains. 
And then we moved to another place in Mainz where I could actually walk to the train station. And that was much, much better for me because I had then a bit less than 40 minutes in the train and I didn't need to change trains. And I had also invested by that time because riding was just something that I loved doing, that I fell back in love with. Because, I mean, I started riding when I was very, very young. And then I wrote in high school, like I tried to write a novel, never finished that novel, but I was writing very regularly. Then I had those fan fiction writing times when I was in my 20s. And then I also started writing again here and there, but never as much as I did when I was traveling to Frankfurt for work. And I just loved it. I loved writing. And I still do. I love writing. And so I figured, okay, let's invest into a very small notebook so that it was easy to carry in the train. And I would just find a spot in the train. And I had also invested on like a different ticket. So I usually could find a spot to sit. And I would know that for about 30 to 40 minutes, I could write or revise. I usually worked pretty late in the evening and then during the commute back, I would read because I couldn't concentrate to write or revise. So when I got into the train, I found my spot, I would put my headphones on and just work. I managed to be in my own bubble despite the sometimes, you know, the noises of the train and stopping and everything else. There was no distraction on that notebook since I didn't have internet on it. And yes, I, I mean, I did have my cell phone. I had my work cell phone. And my work cell phone, sometimes I had to check things on it. Some days also I did not write. I had to use the, day, the time in the train to actually prepare for my you know, day of work, read the newspapers and everything, because um, I was, at the time, I was a press officer. I could also write in our apartment. I, sometimes I got up extra early to get 30 more minutes of writing or revising time. And that was when I didn't really have any of the self-publishing part of writing, you know, the business part of self-publishing. I did start self-publishing in 2014 when I was still working at the European Central Bank, but it wasn't, you know, the main work that I did about trying to be successful at, at, at self-publishing, even though if I talked to my past me, she would say I was trying to be successful, but I was not spending as much time on everything business related. I just, I didn't have the time. Like there was no time in the day for me to do all of that, plus writing and everything else. I mean, I could have found the time by sleeping even less, but that's not what I had in mind at the time. It's not the priorities that I had. So it was not you know, when I started self-publishing, I thought I was going to be an overnight success because my book was so good and it was just going to work that way because I was daydreaming. And I had done some things to be successful, but I don't think I was doing the right things. And I've talked about that in a previous episode. So if you're interested about, you know, what I had learned, it was one of the first episodes I've published for this podcast. So now while I do work from home, and take online IT classes, I also need to make sure that I write and revise and take care of everything related to self-publishing, all the business part of it. For example, I do my own covers, which for my first self-published book, I didn't do my own cover. I do my own 
advertisement. I do everything myself pretty much and I am much more focused on what I need to do and I also take more classes about what I need to do. Like even, you know, the free classes that you can find online can teach you so much when it comes to newsletter and when it comes to growing that newsletter and when it comes to different social media and also when it comes to Amazon ads and Facebook ads and everything. But I didn't have that wealth of knowledge at the time. And I'm still learning right now. And so I think when I'm looking back and I'm looking forward to what I want to do and what I'm planning to do and, and how I'm doing it right now. So if I'm looking at the present time as well, I am pretty happy with the writing schedule that I am on, that I, you know, I, I set up for myself. But I think that I'd like to do a few tweaks about that schedule and also about the writing spots that I have, the writing spaces, the writing tools that I'm using. And to get inspiration on what I could do a bit different, I also checked, and that's where my alternate title from this episode came from, I also checked what Nora Roberts and Beverly Jenkins do. I mean, those wonderful, very prolific, very successful romance authors are, like, they just amaze me. They're very inspiring. And so I checked what they were doing. And so if you haven't read their books, I'm adding a few articles to the episode description as well about them and their careers and everything. So I was Googling their writing space. And while I didn't get an exact answer, which by the way, I need to watch or rewatch the Love Between Covers documentary because I think they both appear in it. I did find a few tidbits that made me smile and you know gave me a bit of, of a spark of where I need to go, or what I'd like to do. And also reminded me that we all sometimes struggle with writing all of us and it was a nice it was a nice reminder so on facebook nora roberts once wrote at work stare into space wonder what wtf that's how she wrote it wonder wtf should happen next look stuff up and somehow by around three sometimes earlier sometimes later i've actually written a decent chunk staring into space we all do it. Nora Roberts does it. <laughs> and then from another article published in The Guardian, it says, she rises early, 5.30 or 6 a.m., she gets a diet Pepsi and is riding by 8, going through until it's workout time around 2.30 p.m. It's 6 to 8 hours a day, every day, she says. And no, it's never easy. It shouldn't be easy. If it was easy, everyone would do it. It's an art and a science and a skill. It's a good reminder too. That it's an art, a science and a skill. Something basically you work on to make it better, right? That's what you do with skills. An article in Forbes explains Beverly Jenkins' process. Her writing process is one that may surprise readers. Jenkins is a pencer, which in her words means I don't do a lot of outlining or upfront plotting. Instead, she says, I write by the seat of my pants. It's an organic way of telling the story by letting events and interactions unfold as they come to mind. Each starting spark is different. I stick to the actual history and include a bibliography at the end of each book for readers who may want to delve deeper into the subject matter. I always set my stories where black people actually walked, worked, 
and lived. And then on revision, in a writermag.com article, she says, I revise as I go. It's a slower process, but the manuscript is tight by the time I send it to my editor. I then rely on her great advice and insight to polish the final draft. And to me, what was interesting, I mean, again, I was trying to find where they were writing and, and how they would write and, you know, schedule-wise and everything. But it was a great reminder, too. I loved reading that Beverly Jenkins revises as she goes because it was nice to learn that very successful authors do something similar than you do, that your process... Because I feel sometimes when you're writing, like you're trying to find a process that works you're listening, you know, to a lot of different advices, you're reading craft books, you're reading about what works and what doesn't. And what I've talked on this podcast in the past couple of weeks is how to lean more into my process and to make more my process my own as well. And, you know, that's why I'm looking at writing spaces and writing tools and just tweaking a little bit. And for me, you know, as I also revise as I'm done with a scene or with a chapter, I go back and revise it. But the problem I sometimes have is that I sometimes start deleting or I stop to write or I get distracted as I'm drafting a scene. And it usually happens when I'm not entirely in the zone or when I'm wondering if I'm going to hit my word count because I look at the word count and I look at, even if I like, take it away from Word, or if I don't use writeordie.com or anything, sometimes I'm like, okay, well, I can still look at it. I can put it back. I can figure out, I can, you know, highlight what I've written and see if I already reached my word count or not. A part of my brain is wondering like, okay, if I reached it, then is that enough? Like, is that enough words? Is that enough time? Enough, enough, enough. And I may lose momentum when that happens. I think I've talked about using the dragon dictation you know like I use it on my phone and then I upload it on dragon I use that when I feel like my brain cannot write by typing anymore but I still have ideas about a scene or something and then it's easier for me to then do it using the dictation device it gives me another boost and I had been reading mostly last year about authors who had started using Alpha Smart. It's a processor keyboard and it basically you don't see the amount of words that you've written and you don't see based on what I can tell. You also do not see like your entire page that what that you've written. You you just type. You type and you type and you type as a go. So I did it. I went on eBay and I got myself an Alpha Smart Neo 2 and I am crossing my fingers. It will enable me to not have any distraction while I'm doing my drafting Pomodoros, like those 25 minutes writing that I do and then five minutes break and then 25 minutes writing. Some of the writers who've been using it, I think including Susan Dennard, who mentioned that it had helped her stay focused and also actually write when she had the time to write. So personally, I wake up around 5.15, 5.30 a.m. And I work on other business reading things before starting to write. But what I would like to do what I would like to tweak a little in terms of writing is to set up my writing the evening before. So set up a little bit what I'm going to write and draft in the morning. So when I first get up, 
I grab my coffee, I settle at my desk, I don't look at my phone, that's going to be interesting, and I don't look at my computer, and I start on the Alpha Smart before I do anything else. Before I check my phone, before I check my computer, I write for at least 25 minutes. Then depending on, you know, what else I have going on in that morning, then I work on other things. And then I go back to writing around eight. So I could do, you know, the self-publishing side of things after breakfast. Cause I, and then I would go back to work for longer stretches. The next day, I would then revise those words and those scenes and set up for the next day. Plus with the Alpha Smart, I could write outside when the weather is nicer and before the heat humidity hits us in Maryland. And I'd love to write at a park close to me, by the water, settle on a bench, and just type away. Plus, Swan's Cove is set by the water. So I feel that, you know, being able to write by the water might inspire me even more. And I don't take my laptop outside, like the, because I like to see what I'm writing when I'm on the laptop. And with the glare and everything, it's just not, it's just not working out. And I'm thinking with my iFresh mod that I should get this week that might be more feasible to just prop it outside and just type. I will let you know how that works. But those are the things that have been working on this week in addition to writing and in addition to everything else. And my plans for the week are to draft and revise the first half of the book. Like I'm of Sweets for Love. I'm done with a third of it. And I want to reach half by the end of this week because then that means I'm ahead of schedule and I like being ahead of schedule. And I also just received the custom illustrations um, from Najla Kember for like Kember Emporium is the name of the website for Sweets for Love for the cover. So I've received an illustration for Aisling and an illustration for the other main character, the love interest, who still doesn't have a name. Choosing his name is just proven to be very complicated and difficult and much more complicated than I thought. I usually know what the names are before I start drafting, but if I waited for his name to come to me, then I don't think I would have started drafting. So right now he's known as XXX. That's his name in the book. And and I'm going to continue posting on TikTok and I'm still going to continue on that other book that I'm planning to publish under the pain name. So I have I have a lot of goals for this week. And I'm just setting myself up to try to find what works best for me or rather to expand on what I know works for me because the process itself and what has worked and what doesn't work, I know I've tried it. I can adjust my process and, you know, no longer do things that really do not work for me. I also know that I cannot, you know, force a certain outline on my book while it's the same thing when it comes to my writing. I... If I only have 10 minutes in a day to write, then I need to use these 10 minutes to write. Like I just have to sit and do it. If I have more time in my day, which is currently the case, I have way more time in my day to write, I can schedule my writing time to the best time for me to write and to the most efficient and productive way for me to write. So I hope you find your process and I hope your process works for you. And even if it's riding in the train during your commute or like I used to do, 
or if it's getting up extra early to get that 30 minutes, which I also actually am still doing. I'm still waking up extra early. And I know it's not, the process is not 100% enjoyable all the time. Like writing is not always puppies and kittens and butterflies and hearts. But I know how much writing is important to me, not only on a business level, but on a personal level. And so, yeah, finding ways to make sure it happens. And so finding those systems and those ways and everything. I think systems, Leslie Penelope, El Penelope in her podcast talked about finding the best systems for her and the writing systems, like not goals, not setting up goals, but systems. I will link to that episode's description as well if you're interested in listening, because she had, she had a lot, as always, a lot of good points. So maybe that's what I'm trying to do. Maybe I'm trying to set up a system that works for me. Thank you so much for listening. As always, if you enjoyed this podcast, please do rate it, subscribe to it, share it with a friend. And if you'd like to support this podcast, and if you're a romance reader, then make sure you check out my books and my audiobooks, or you can always buy me coffee. There's a link in on my website, elodienovodatsky.com. Elodie is E-L-O-D-I-E, D as dog, I-E. Novodatsky is N-O-W-O-D-S-D-O-G-A-Z-K-I-J.com. To all writers out there, happy writing. And to everyone, happy, happy reading.